welcome to Space Press, the sci-fi movie podcast for bad bitch feminists. I'm Kate, and with me is the only woman I would ever follow into a haunted house, benevolent <laughs> specters or not, Mary Johnston. What's up, girl? Christmas is what's up. I love this time of year. It's very, very fun. It's also uh, coming up on your birthday. Indeed. As we record this, we are less than a week away. Maybe exactly a week it's away. It's the most wonderful time <laughs> of the year. Bah, Listen, bah, it's Sagittarius bah. season, so, you know, life mm. is good. What yeah. What are some traits of, of, the, of Sachis? Is that um, what you guys call optimistic? By? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a, a Sag is what I've heard. Uh, a Sag? Aww. Yeah. We're, we're adventurous, uh, fiercely loyal, don't really like to be tied down, optimistic, um, like to travel, like to get out there, like to imagine what our next life and our next world can be. Um, you know, we're dreamers. We're pretty much the best is what I'm saying. That sounds no, no. really good. Yeah, I really like Scorpios, obviously. obviously. I mean, what I think is really funny about Scorpios is I feel like every other sign is like, I'm optimistic, but maybe like a little like a little bit not as together as I want to be. Like, that's usually what it is. And Scorpios yeah. are like, <laughs> like, jealous AF, also passionate, also, also <laughs> fascinated by horrifying things. I'm like, whoa, Scorpio, whoa. I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's just me. <laughs> I had a I had a very briefly lived tryst with a Scorpio, and I will say that the Sagittarius uh, Scorpio chemistry is pretty good. I mean, our friend chemistry is amazing. There so you go. None of that is surprising. There but, you go. Um, you know, at, at least our stars align in compatibility. Da 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 da. That's the best. That's the best. Anyway, um, Mary, what's your favorite Christmas song this time of year? Oh. It's it's difficult. I actually really like Christmas music, despite working retail for a large period of my life. I do um, so. I love Christmas music. Uh, I listen to Christmas music all December long and somewhat into November. And if I'm really feeling spicy, partially in October, I'm not one of those people <laughs> that's like, I have to choose my Christmas moment. I'm totally fine letting the holidays just pile on top of each other like a bunch of puppies. I don't. I, I don't totally. Care. I, yeah, I I don't I. I, I I don't need my holidays to not touch as if I'm like a third grader with food. It's not a thing. Like, it's fine. Everything I, can be on top of each other. I would say I used to be that person, but then this year came and it's just been a hard year. And I just needed the Christmas lights a little bit sooner and the Christmas music a little bit sooner. It's like that song, um, We Need a Little Christmas. I don't know if you've listened to the lyrics, but right this very minute. Yeah, but right this very minute, because I've grown a little colder, grown a little sadder, grown a little meaner, and grown a little older, so I need a Merry Christmas. Yeah. Well, it's But, really... like, seriously, this year's aged us all, okay? Yeah, this year's been a tough one. Also, I feel like it's really funny, because I think I had the same sort I didn't... I mean, like, I've always liked Christmas. I'm a human being, an American. But... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, I've always loved it. But, like, I started really liking it in college. And I think it was, like, distinct, like, definitely after, like, my sophomore year when I, like, changed my major and I was, like, going through a bunch of life stuff and, you know, just, like, all that stuff. And I really just needed Christmas really badly by the time it came around. And it has, like, imbibed me with, like, a deep love of the season that can't be tarnished even if something, like, sad is going on. Like, after Trump got elected... 
um, in 2016, Christmas music <laughs> like actually made me feel much better because I was like, totally. Here are these things, these artifacts from from long ago, really, truly, right? That still yeah. have meaning and still stand the test of time and still remind us of like the good and the brightness in the world, even in the darkest moments. And I was like, there, th- this is this is like this is exactly what we need in this dark, totally time, in this dark moment. I- I would like to say I am not deeply religious, but the song Oh Holy Night, I really love because this moment of like fall on your knees um, Mm -hmm. to like give yourself up sounds great. And also the second lyric is about how like breaking the chains of oppression, um, because that's the point of Christianity. And we see all the time that that's not how people act it out. But like, I just I love that idea. It's just like these these songs about like coming together these songs about giving joy to other people and these songs about like there being something good and innate whether you're religious or not it's it's lovely it's a lovely thing i like except for when people bastardize it yeah i love good king lines loss for similar reasons i think it's Uh lovely i like oh my god it's very pagan almost it is very pagan and i love i love that the fact that it's sort of like um this is, I mean, it sounds better if someone who can sing it well does it, but it's sort of mm-hmm. a song that what, like, like, anybody can sing, you can come, you can kind of, like, just, like, chant it a little bit, and it's okay. Totally. And it's, like, it feels, Good like, stirring. Was lost, was lost. Lost. Yeah. Oh, the feast of, feast of Stephen. <laughs> when the snow, snow came round and <laughs> deep and crisp and even. And even. Brightly. Yeah. No, it's great. It's a great song. I love that song. Um, totally. There are a lot of Christmas songs, however, that are no good. <laughs> They're no good. Um, uh-huh. Controversial take. I kind of don't love Wham's Last Christmas. Really? I mean, I like it from I like an artistic perspective, but I guess I don't really care for the lyrics. It's the lyrics for me, man. It's... Oh. What I don't oh, understand yeah. is last year to save me from tears, I'll give it to somebody special. Or next year to save me from tears, I'll give it to somebody special. Does he, so does he mean like in our timeline... Christmas 2019 because that seems like really forward thinking. Yeah, I never really right? understand that part. No, it's all that's that's literally that line is the one that gets in my craw. It's also like to save me from tears. Like I get it, lyrics. I get it. Sometimes you know we we don't have the most eloquent way, and it, it works so because of the music. But like I don't know that song. That song is a song I've heard too many times. I get I, it. I get I it. I still love Mariah Carey's. Uh, all, All I want for Christmas is you. you. That's what's so not like every song. That's, that's because you're a red-blooded human being. <laughs> that song exactly. is perfection. That song is fire. That's, <laughs> like, let's that, be that song, yeah. The aliens show up. You play that song for them. You show them the pyramids. You give them um, loaded <laughs> Texas cheese fries. And you're like, that's these are the pinnacles of human achievement. Done. Done. Precisely. Maybe yeah. a Shia LaBeouf music video uh, in which uh, there's a ballet playing. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Throw in some yeah. good ones. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's it. Show- the aliens will let us go. It's all fine. Yeah. It's, the aliens will be like, this place is dope. And we'll be like, this yeah, place just, is worth it. Yeah. Just don't, don't, don't pay attention to a lot of other stuff. And it'll yeah, be just, just fine. Just don't look at the man behind the curtain. He's a little exactly. orange. It's all very odd. You know, oh, whatever. God. Oh, God. Yeah, for sure. Um, I love, of course, the boy least likely to use Christmas album. Um, yes. Uh, yes. George and Andrew. Is our song mm-hmm. for the holidays? I'll be sending it Indeed to you. Indeed, it is. As is my tradition, every every Christmas Eve. Um, I love uh, and I love uh, Happy Christmas. That is like mille- millennial Christmas, as far as I am concerned. 
Which one is Happy Christmas? It's a uh, Happy Christmas Baby. The bells are ringing just for you and me. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, but the part drunk before lunch on Christmas Day. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that is what I'm doing. <laughs> totally. I mean, what? What? What's? Yeah. <laughs> I I need to stop myself from just being like, what's the point if you're not gonna drink? Because I mean, there are lots of people out there who are sober, and you all have a lovely holiday and. I respect. I assume power. you guys just eat a lot, which is also uh-huh. valid. Very which valid. Which is also very fabulous. Yeah, maybe it's a fabulous. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. You. Maybe you just read amazing poetry and feel great about the world. I don't know. Yeah. Live your best yeah. life, guys. Mine yeah. just happens to involve eating a lot and drinking a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. 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 But of course, there are songs that uh, don't deserve to be modern classics. And um, recently, recently, one has come onto my radar. Um, this is not a new song. I think it came out in like, mm, like 2012, potentially, maybe It came earlier. out in a compilation on 2011 and then, um, oh, like was closer. kind of re-released, uh, in 2017. Got it. So maybe it's new. Uh, okay. Maybe that's why it's in the zeitgeist a little bit. But exactly. Cause I was trying to figure is, out why, but yeah. It is it Michael like Buble's Santa Bay version of Santa Baby. About Santa Buddy, which is basically just a Christmas oh song about gay panic. It's uh-huh. why it really is Santa Buddy, Santa Pally, like Santa dude. I Puppy, which does not make <laughs> sense. That's the part where it gets real gay, like actually. yes. But basically, Ugh. it's just about how like Santa and Michael are just bros, and they're not in love. Total and he's bros, no homo. Because, like, Santa, because, like, Santa Baby is gross enough as is, which is basically implying this woman is trading sexual favors for Santa to give her a platinum mine, which I think even through our lenses where we're like, well, maybe, maybe she's, you know, owning her power and blah, 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 blah. It's a song that's written by the patriarchy about ideas about women, which is that we're, like, greedy and we're trying to, and we're trying to seduce Santa into giving us like un- untold riches. Yeah, we're um, always so, trying to get more than we deserve or are owed and we're just trying to suck people dry and women are all gold diggers and Yeah, and uh, and women yeah. and women use their sensuality entirely for capital gain um because the sensuality itself does not hold any appeal for us, which is totally. not true. Because, you know, why would you enjoy sex? It's not like um, all of human history hinges on it or something. So, that's right. whatever. So, what they're building... So, they're building it on a faulty... I like it. They're building it on a faulty... Uh, on a faulty base, right? Like, this song is already not great. And then Michael Bublé has made this fascinating choice to decide he's just going to unsexualize it and make it seem like he's just asking for increasingly ridiculous favors from a friend? Uh huh. <laughs> Including which, my favorite of which is Christmas decorations from Mercedes. Please he explain wants that to, put, to me, Mary. He wants him to put cars on a tree. Uh huh. <laughs> that's Michael Boulay would like his friend to give him multiple cars for Christmas. <laughs> also, it can't be light blue. It has to be steel blue, which is another shade of light blue because steel blue is generally like a light metallic, you know, just so we're clear. But um, but light blue but is a color for women and gays. So right? no way. No, that's the thing. Like, why do we have to butch everything? Like, honestly, I would respect the song so much more if you just left the lyrics alone. 
You know what I, I mean? I would have nothing to say about the song <laughs> if he had just left the lyrics alone. Like, I would be I mean, like, I mean, Santa Baby's not like a great song, but like, yeah, it's a, cl- it's like, I understand that it's, it's a, a classic, Christmas standard. He has great voice. Like that, like the song just, and I say this as someone who's like, you know, let your freak flag fly, you know, whatever. I'm gay. Like there's no like homophobia on our end. It's just like, he seems deeply homophobic or closeted. Probably a little bit of both. To, I'm not making fun of Michael Buble because he might be gay for Santa because that is the most ridiculous right. sentence I've ever said. Hilarious. <laughs> but I'm making fun of him for wanting us not to think that he's gay for Santa. Like, because in of a his song that's homophobia. literally about, like, flirting with Santa. You know what I mean? Yeah, in a song that's explicitly about propositioning Santa. Like, that yes. is ridiculous. Yes. Oh, oh, my God. Anyway, I just wanted to, you know ring out that that rag I, I would recommend that everyone listen to it immediately if only for the like if exclusively yeah, for the listen to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. humor humor hate listen listen all i'm saying is it's ridiculous and he talks about getting canucks tickets all right like i mean who wants canucks tickets not this guy that's what i'm saying anyway, there is so. something really funny too so I like I th- you already called out the Mercedes thing, but that replaces Tiffany's, which is which is a store that is for men and women. I, just, I am positive Michael Bublé owns stuff from Tiffany's. Okay, like let's not even yeah. lie. There's absolutely no way a man that wealthy's like never gotten like something sterling silver from Tiffany's. You know what I mean? And, or nicer, whatever. And at the end of the song, if it's uh, if it's the original version, basically. Um, the 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 singer tells Santa that she would like to be engaged to him. Just one more thing, uh-huh. a ring. I don't mean on the phone. And instead, he says, "Just one more thing, cha-ching." Like he wants money instead of a ring, which I think makes yep. it even worse. I'm like, wait a minute, much wait a minute, worse. Wait a minute. much Hold worse. <laughs> yeah, no. What? Earth Eartha Kit when originally singing this is saying, "I'd like to marry you, Santa." Michael yeah. Bublé is like. Uh, leave the cash on the table. Yeah, like that's, totally. What is? <laughs> Michael Bublé is someone who is like trying to explain to a table full of people why it's totally fine that he's giving someone fifty dollars for their wedding. He's like, I mean, cash is the best present ever. Like, it's the best. I'm showing them that I truly love them. So, cash. Yeah, yeah. So, what's funny about what we're doing tonight is that one of my favorite things to do. This holiday season, because there aren't enough good Christmas movies. There are great Christmas movies, but I'm not on the Hallmark train. I have watched some shitty Netflix movies that I will not name here um, out of shame. Uh, and... <laughs> the Christmas Prince? Oh, have you seen that horny one about the Scottish ghost? I actually liked that one. I have not. I actually but... liked that one a lot. <laughs> but but that's just the your horniest Christmas. Me... That's the horniest what is Christmas. What called? Um, I will look at it. It's like the spirit of Christmas, maybe? It's the okay. horniest Christmas movie I've ever seen in my whole life. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe I'll check that out. But the bottom line is, I've watched some bad Christmas movies. Don't get me wrong. Who doesn't love Charlie Brown Christmas? Who doesn't love all sorts of other great Christmas movies like It's a Wonderful Life? I'm not going to name good Christmas rare, movies. We all have heard Rare them. exports. Yeah. like Oh, great. I have heard about that. You should watch it. It's good. Yeah, I'll check it out. Um, but what there are plenty of are great holiday episodes of television. You know? Mm-hmm. So going mm-hmm. through, mm-hmm. watching your Frasier Christmas episodes, oh. your Office Christmas episodes. Oh. The one with the know. laser robo geek. Oh, that yes. episode That episode actually almost brings me to tears every year when I watch it. Oh. It's so good. 
That's such a good. That's mm, I'll post that. I'll post the name of that episode. That episode of Frasier. It's great. Great Christmas good. episode. Great Christmas episode. So, uh, so because of these Christmas episodes, we decided we'd. <coughs> Pardon me. We decided we'd watch a Christmas episode with you all of a particularly amazing, historic, foundational sci-fi series. Mary, drumroll, you know. The X Files. Mm-hmm. So the name of this episode is The Ghost Who Stole Christmas. Mm-hmm. So it's season six, episode six, um, and it's just a kind of a monster. If, if you're a fan of the X Files, you know that there are um, there are storyline episodes which are about the truth, quote unquote, and it brings yes. there's there's an alien plot line. That's yeah, a there's like, the overall the overall conspiracy, like those sorts of things, move those stories forward. And then there are monster of the week episodes, which are just little one offs, which are my favorite. Yeah, they're my favorites too. I, I can't, I, you know, I was once teased about that because they're like, oh, so you don't like plot. But no, nah, I just like serial plot. Like, that's that's what's great about the X-Files is literally there's a different file you can open up for all sorts of different episodes. So, also, you know. even Chris Carter admits that he lost sight of, like, what the central plot line needed to be and, like, made it way too confusing <laughs> and, like, twisty-turny. And, and it's it's not it's not amazing I, storytelling. So, really, I think it's actually right. quite forward-thinking to, like, the Monster of the Week and it pronounce it proudly. It's my favorite, too. Uh, all my favorite episodes. Oh, are, good. Yeah, all my favorite episodes are Monster of the Week ones. Um, mm-hmm. So, you can take in this episode and any episode of the X-Files currently uh, on Hulu. They've got them all. And if they ever were to get rid of them, I'm sure Amazon would immediately pick them up. It's like one of those series where I feel like they, there is like a, a pact with human... It's a hot potato. Yeah, it's like a pact with humanity that it will always be available on some sort of streaming service. Or at least I hope... Right, so. like it was on Netflix. Yeah. No, I, I think it will. Yeah. I think that it is one of those shows that just... It just always will be. Um, it, was, it was a good cultural zeitgeist. I mean, I remember watching it when I was a kid. Um, in fact, I remember being told I was too young to watch it and then sneaking downstairs and sitting behind the couch so no one knew I was still awake and watching it like peeked around, which um, <laughs> so I then give myself horrible nightmares. I'm sure um, it's actually scary. There's some scary. It's episodes. very scary. Yeah. And then there was there was one Christmas in particular where everyone in my family was sick. My dad was seriously ill. My brothers were seriously ill. My mom, not my mom, my sister was seriously ill. And my mom and I were both like only like light level sick, you're like sniffly. you know so yeah. like yeah and i was still a kid but like i was the age of kid where i didn't think santa was real anymore but i knew that the longer i didn't tell them the more it would go on sure you know sure 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 and so like you were like my mom and i you were like eight yeah 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 i was gaming the system yeah. you know whatever And so I'm hanging out with my mom, and what we're doing on Christmas Eve is watching an X-Files marathon on Fox. That's amazing. Um, And I'm like, at one point, like, after we watch, like, four episodes, I'm like, oh, I'm so sleepy. Should we leave out cookies for Santa Claus? Mom's like, stop it. You know, there's not a Santa. I'm like... (laughs) I'm. I mean, I did, but are you so glad I did? Like, come on. (laughs) Did you you turn to her and say, but mom, I want to believe? (laughs) Just connect no, it I, all. It would have it would have been perfect. That's that's a much better story. Guys, remember me at my most clever when I said that to my mother. Anyway, Mary, what about hot, you? What's your relationship hot, with X Files? Hot take: Aliens are all are all Santa Claus. That's my thing. <laughs> uh, every Ooh. every alien is Santa. Think about it. Think about it. Landing on the roof. 
I mean, you, you can't prove that it doesn't. That's not I would true. Love, you know I what I mean? Come at me. I would love for someone to prove that wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> that Santa's not an extraterrestrial? Yeah. Don't think so. Well, and it's sort, Sorry, of, guys. It's sort of like a chicken or an egg. Are, is Santa an alien or are all aliens Santa? I don't know. I think, I, I you know, who even knows where this, uh, this snake eating itself starts? I know. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it's just like one long continuous thing. Um, uh-huh. Funnily enough, I also became interested in the X-Files around the holiday season. I was at um, a family friend's house and uh, his older and very cool niece was visiting. And I mm-hmm. named Colleen and she had orange sneakers and I thought she was the coolest. And she... She probably she was. was. very. I'm sure she still is. And she was a big X-Files fan and we were just like watching it. And I had always been like a little bit afraid to watch the X-Files. I knew it was like a creepy show. Totally. And I had seen episodes that were a little bit scary. But watching it with her, she wanted to watch it. So I watched it with her and I was like, oh, I could totally hang with this. Like me and Colleen, we're like the same. Same, 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 same. And yeah, totally. it launched like a, an obsession with it for a long time. And yeah, totally. I had I had such a soft spot in my heart for both Mulder and Scully. Honestly, it's one of those things where like, you know, every gay person wants to look for their origin story or whatever. I can't even say it was Dana Scully. I think I was just in love with the two of them. You know what I mean? Just Me the two of them together. I was way, yep. way, way too invested in their relationship. As a ch- as like a teenager, even like Who I was, was like, it? I mean, like it, you know, yeah. I mean, well, they they dragged on. I mean, that that actually, I remember at the time being like furious about it, and then and then like because it was dragging on so long, and then um, for a short stint, I used to host an X Files night um, at a local bar where we would just like I would like introduce the episodes and like say some smart ass things on stage, and then we would watch it. It wasn't a, it wasn't a thing, no big deal, but. I realized it was cool, and I was always jealous. Mary and I weren't in the same town, oh. so I couldn't go. But anyway, whatever. Fun. Continue. It was pretty fun. But I, uh-huh. um, I was jealous that you couldn't come <laughs> because it would have been more fun <laughs> if you had. Um, no, totally. Like our version of that was like when you, your brother, and I would all watch the X Files DVDs or whatever, like during breaks yeah, or something. Totally. You know? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, but then I kind of realized <laughs> the brilliance of it because I feel like it takes a, a lot of shows are built around sort of a will they, won't they? And this yep. one is like to such an extreme that even after Dana Dana has had a baby that you know uh-huh. is Molnar's, you're still like, wait, are they together? Like that <laughs> yeah, is no, totally. that is how wild this story is. <laughs> like you're like, wait, are is it a thing? And I think as opposed to it yeah, being... Yeah, it wasn't into, until, the, like, the second movie where they, like, w- were, like, after a couple scenes, you see them in bed together. You're like, oh, thank God. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, even we're then like, you're like, wait, are they a thing? Are they? Are, are they? they? Oh, oh, they're fucking. Okay. <laughs> okay. Whoo! Because I've been very invested in this in a long, long time. <laughs> For many years. For years. <laughs> Decades, even, at this point. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of funny, and I, I, I kind of thought that was sort of cheap. I was like, man, they're just, like, really dragging this out. But I feel like they drag it out to such a ridiculous degree that it allows both characters to sort of, like, stand on their own a little bit. Totally. And Totally. It's an interesting thing. It's not, It doesn't feel, in retrospect now, looking back, it doesn't feel quite as cheap as, like a, like, a Rachel and Ross thing where they have to kind of superficially break up and then get back together to, like, keep the, no. the momentum going. It's, Absolutely. It's just they have Absolutely. a complicated relationship. 
which is and but still like no matter what like even when you're not like you're like i mean are they together together it didn't matter because they love each other yes. like and they have each other's back and there's so much mutual <laughs> as as elizabeth bennett talks about in pride and prejudice and what i still think is like my new touchstone of like what i want in mature adult relationships it's built on a foundation of um respect and gratitude uh, I mean, not that she always thinks that Mulder has got his head screwed on tight, but like he has her back and she has they his. They do. You know? They both do. I think respect each other at least. Yeah. At least from like an, on a high level. I think that they their respect. Absolutely. I think I don't know. Well, we'll get into it. I don't it with think this she episode. would engage in conversation with him if you know what I mean. Like I don't. Yes. It's like how I try to. That was convince very Jane that Austen. I'm correct. Of you also, you're like she's like <laughs> she respects him. She engages in conversation with him. <laughs> I mean, like, there are plenty of people who, like, I don't care about, and I would be like, okay, that's fine that you believe that, and I'd walk away. But, like, Scully's like, Mulder, let me explain why I think that this is wrong. Mulder, and in a way that's like, <laughs> allow me to explain, actually, except she never sounds like that because she's the best. She's like, Mulder, it's really embarrassing that you believe in aliens. <laughs> Please don't believe in aliens. It's weird. <laughs> It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not solid. I'm sorry. Oh my God. Yep. Yep. Um, so should we just get into it with this episode? Yeah, let's just, let's just dig into it. All right. So we're going to do this episode a little differently since we're only doing one episode of television. We're going to do kind of an extended recap with our criticism sprinkled throughout. It's going to be great. So uh, our X-File begins on Christmas Eve, quote, somewhere in Maryland, because the FBI is super specific in its records, apparently. <laughs> Scene opens with Mulder in a car staring at a creepy house while Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas plays on the radio. Mulder's called Scully out, and when she says she has to wrap presents, he gives this characteristic, huh, as if he's both been amused that people trouble themselves with living lives where you do things like wrap presents, and also is totally sure that Scully will take the bait and get into the car, wherein Mulder regales her with a haunted love story. He talks about brooding hero and like maybe you're not maybe he's not talking specifically about them in that moment but it's so clear that like the brooding hero could be him and the girl that he loves that like is shines with light could be her because he's staying it in this like nice romantic lovely story. And though she compliments his storytelling, she says she's going to go home. At this point Fox gets out of the car and starts to go in. Scully's like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "I'm going to go check it out." And she's standing next to the car and she's like, I can't do this. I can't follow him. I have a New Year's resolution. I made a promise and, to myself. <laughs> yeah. And then like checks for her keys. And I'd like to say at this moment, I think she's checking for keys and she might have gotten in her car and then she would have gotten out and gone in because that's just their relationship. But she can't find him because Mulder's kind of a dick. Mulder's <laughs> just like stole her keys so that she would follow him in. <laughs> Whatever. Um. Anyway. Uh, she shows up because when she's called, because he's her counterpart. So that brings us to the long-suffering Doctor Doctor Scully, Dana Scully. Uh huh. Oh, I feel like this. So I know, and I, I knew this even when I watched it before. But like now, coming at it with like fresh, you'll understand, Kate, when you were both when you are also thirty. But speaking of someone <laughs> um, exactly almost a month older, I'm going to tell you. No, totally. I'm kidding. Uh, I'm of course kidding. But like looking at it with modern eyes, Mulder is such a selfish person. Oh my God. Oh, no, for sure. Oh my God. Like if, if Mulder was in your friend group, 
You would have to have follow-up brunches to talk about what a dick he was the last time you had brunch with him. Like, you would be like... I mean... You you would be like, yeah. are you kidding me? Molnar is the kind of vegan who shows up at your uh, 4th of July party and is like, you know what, I'm going to have a hot dog. After you made, like, <laughs> special... You made sure the buns were vegan. You made special accommodations to get him a stuffed pepper or something else to a- actually delicious. He is that mm-hmm. guy. He's such uh-huh. the worst. Oh. Mm-hmm. But he's charming. He's so GD charming. He's also and I don't even understand attractive. why. He's very attractive. Uh-huh. Oh my God. Young David Duchovny. Oh. What yeah. a bub. Mm-hmm. He's the both of these people are such babes. Both of these people are gorgeous. In fact, that is a plot point <laughs> that the ghosts say. They're just such attractive people. It's so true. <laughs> but I feel like I feel like Monar, like when the character Molnar is like a a better, certainly better, and definitely more charismatic version um, of Jim from Passengers. He also kind of wants Scully to be there to like validate his crusade. Like he needs he needs her to bear witness to him finding the truth. I think his motivation is a little bit better, but like he is not. Well, and he also knows Scully. Like yeah. he genuinely yes. like. Like, we're in season six. Like, he has a real connection and a bond with her. And he calls her there because he wants to do something weird. And he's sure that she wants to do something weird with him. Well, and you also, know? Like, he doesn't want to see something weird without her. Uh-huh. Although they do, yeah. and they, I think they do a good job of this. They hint early on that he goes on a bunch of, like, solo things. But then it kind of, like, peters out towards the end. Like, he does eventually, like, need her to be there. So, like, yeah. he definitely is, like... He is selfish, but he's also, uh, he has deep. He's true, got a good heart. He has true, true affection for her. His selfishness yeah. is manifesting his, his true feelings for her, I would say. But yeah. if, if anyone is dating. I can tolerate selfish humans if they have like, if they're there for you and if they have good hearts, you know what I 100%. mean? Like, and I'm, yeah. hundred percent. But I mean, I, but if yeah. I were friends with Scully, I would be like, you need to get rid of him. <laughs> Like, yeah, don't answer your phone. And that's, and that's the thing. Like, that's why I think she goes in. Because if Scully didn't want to, like, she wouldn't have shown up. She wouldn't have shown up at 11 p.m. Yeah, she knows. on Christmas Eve. She knows what she's doing. This Scully's is, a grown-ass woman. This, and she's self-actualized. This is so. like the, the Kenny Rogers, Dolly Parton version of Baby It's Cold Outside. It's a song that's uh-huh. really gross and built on things. But when you hear those two people singing it, you're like, oh, this is foreplay. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, okay. right. Totally. Yeah. This is this is this is what turns them on. This is like what their deal is. So it's okay, but that's very specific. Just like just like right. uh Han Solo sweeping Leia into a a deep kiss is like what's romantic for them, but if in real life potentially not so good. Totally. Fic- totally. Fictional if, characters you know. can have these kind of relationships. Well, and fictional characters have been developed for six seasons, so you, like, feel like you actually know, like, a lot more about them than, like, 30 minutes worth of, like, character work. You know what I mean? I do think it's, I think it's different. I think long series can get away with stuff um, because you, I mean, you know that in a pinch, I think Mulder would take a bullet for Scully. So, you know, know whatever. He He took her keys. We know that he would. And we definitely know Scully will take a bullet for Mulder because she is constantly getting hurt for him. Um, oh my god, right. like, like, come on, what a dick. All, anyway. all the time. Well, so let's let's talk about uh, gender roles. What a, 
So for so there are two ways you can look at this, right? Um, whether or not their relationship follows traditional general dynamics. For me, um, a very superficial glance is like Scully's a serious scientist, and he's like a dreamer. And in that way, like we generally think of the serious man and the dewy, dreamy girl, which. But Mulder also gets a little bit more credibility by being a man. I feel like if Mulder's character was played by a woman, it'd be a lot harder um, to take it seriously. To not make him, yes, to not make her a laughing stock. Yeah, especially so. at the time. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that. Yeah, I think that their dynamic, yes and no, fitting traditional right. gender roles. Because like Scully, in and of herself, is a great feminist character and an important female character to have on TV. She's highly Absolutely. educated. She's at the top of her game. She's, like, really good at what she does. She's brave. She's very intelligent. She truly yeah. lives by a moral code of decency, loyalty, confidence. She isn't afraid to, like, rattle cages and call out nonsense. Like, she's, like, she's like who everyone should be. You want you want to yeah. be her. Like, she's great. Yeah, and not in a way that, like, on comedies where it's kind of twee, in a way that, like, she gets dirty. Like, she has some hard decisions to make, you know? Yeah. Life is uneasy always for your agent Dana Scully. No, life is Bex rarely is very easy. easy. <laughs> yeah, like, Bex Files is not a show that's like, ooh, and then these people had a lovely Sunday brunch in the park, yeah. you know? This show, it's, this it's show is about Dana, this show is about Dana Scully getting ovarian cancer from aliens. It's not like <laughs> It's not like Yeah, Exactly. But actually the government, but actually alien government. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. Anyway, um, um, yeah. On the other hand, I do feel like, so initially in the series, Chris Carter's um, vision for it was there was going to be Scully existed and Mulner existed and they were they like fell along like she was the scientist and he was the crackpot. And the idea was that every other episode, like the other one of them would be right. So right. about half the time, Scully would be able to would like prove Mulner wrong with science. And I think that that's amazing. The Fox Network did not like it and felt like it would be a more compelling show if it was just kind of strictly supernatural science fiction kind of stuff. Um, and that's why that got scrapped. But I think that, like, the bedrock of it and the 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 blueprints of it are very feminist. And that follows through sort of with the vision of who Scully is as a person. I wish... Absolutely. And there are times where, like, and there are times it she's is right. clear that... Yeah. Right. But... but but that would have been more compelling if they had kept a formula where it was pretty much 50-50. But it's a sci-fi show. Yeah, like, I guess. Like, it is, it, it probably, I mean, like, in my heart of hearts, if I really want, if I really search myself, I am more interested in seeing a show about, like, aliens versus why Totes. why and why a ghost is, like, uh, the effects of reflection off fog. Like, probably that's true. Right. Or that a gas leak makes everyone hallucinate versus, you know, there being, like, an alien for, you know, whatever. Totally. Shit happens, guys. Totally. Oh my god, that or a tattoo that you get like suddenly makes you do crazy things. Um, that's anyway, a great episode. Whatever. That's a great episode. Um, but I feel not the episode we're talking about though. <laughs> that is a great episode though. She, but I feel like because she is so often wrong, because like the truth is actually sort of like owned by Mulner in this case, that sometimes I feel like she slips into sort of this like role of being like a nag chasing after a beautiful dreamer. And that I care for less. 
I don't know. Uh, agreed. I th- I think honestly, if they had someone other than Jillian Anderson, it'd be it would impossible. be much more that. Um, yeah. But I I do think that their chemistry and also like her ability to both be like like play it straight while simultaneously like like she's not a like there are times where she's like Mulder like come on that's ridiculous but she's not like a dick to him you know what I mean like she's still follows him into the building you know she also like has of life like she has like self-worth and she has her own like sense of pride like i feel like yeah. i feel like she doesn't feel dumb for not believing ever like and that is very important totally. and i think that that is something that is both in the script but also is in her performance like she needs to see things to a degree in which she will believe them it's not like it's not like she like sees something and then she suddenly believes everything that Mulder has ever told her. Like she no. she does maintain her own sense of like how the world works and she's not she doesn't just become like a a wide-eyed ingenue following a man with nothing left to lose. She does maintain her own dignity <laughs> through this, which No, she's incredibly intelligent. She mm-hmm. always talks about theory. She's always thinking through things and like even if she is wrong, like it it's what enriches the story because we are thinking about both sides of it, you know? Um, yeah. I don't think Mulder deserves her, truly. No, but um, as we mentioned before we started the podcast, uh, <clears throat> Joanna Robinson of Vanny Fair, and Joe wrote this on Twitter recently. Um, I don't know if she coined the phrase or if she's popularizing it, but um, she's talking about the opposite of a manic pixie dream girl would be a depressed demon nightmare boy. <laughs> and in that way that like, you know, your um your Kylo Ren's, your uh your angel from Buffy and <laughs> as a opposed bit, to your Mulder. As opposed to all of the other angels that you may know in popular media who are men. <laughs> um <laughs> I would have said yes, the same exactly. exact thing, but it's very funny. <laughs> like, um, yeah, yeah no, totally. I do think Mulder kind of straddles the line because I think he also is supposed to be sort of like adding a bit of fun into Scully's life. Like, I think he's supposed to be a little bit Natalie Portman from Garden State, except... It- oh, totally. He's a little bit of a pic- manic pixie dream yeah, girl. except instead <laughs> of being like, here's the shins, he's like, here are aliens. <laughs> which which is oh my which is fun it's just the fact that he's also a little bit of a dick and that's like a yeah. little bit you know oh, and whatever. he also but he has the dark past she has the light past she has the family that's like normal he has the family that his sister got sucked out of a window by an alien like you know it's a lot yeah guys that's like pilot episode shit so you know if you're like what just you know watch x-files also come on. like have cultural come knowledge on. come on do you not want to be any good at trivia? Come on. Um, <laughs> no, fair. <laughs> although, to be fair, if anyone ever said that to me about sports, I would be like, you, sir, need to shut up. I don't need to know anything about sports ever. Um, <laughs> you take your terrible attitude and get the heck out. Yep, anyway, that's what I would sorry. say. Um, mm-hmm. But I do, I think that, uh, I think that uh, Jillian Anderson's performance allows her to be very believable. But if I think about the blueprint of Agent Agent Scully, she's relatively flawless. Like, yeah. she she's pretty much perfect. Like, she's very smart. She's very in control. She's, like, passionate. But she doesn't have any major flaws. Whereas Mulder has, like, the most flaws. A million. Like, <laughs> A so million major flaws. Deeply, deeply flawed. And even in ways that, like, are completely unnecessary. Like, why is why is Mulder addicted to porn? I will never know the answer to that, apart from the fact that David Duchovny 
is addicted to porn. So yeah, no, for and sure. like bakes that into sure. all of his characters, which is weird. Um, weird. But I feel like I feel like you know it's a little bit Victorian. She's a little bit of like the angel in the autopsy room for this show. Yeah. Like, way to way to way to take some Virginia Woolf and just like flip it on its much better head, Love right? It. Which is like a, which is good because she's in the autopsy room. But I think I think that like no, but for sure she still is like kind of maternal and takes care of Mulder and like and that and that's why I meant like in a very superficial way you could say yeah it's a birds, but in many many other yeah um more nuanced ways doesn't yeah um she's a feminist not that she's a feminist character but she still falls pretty directly into standard gender roles that uh-huh. she just breaks out of them enough that i think it's it's accept like it's it's okay it, it's it's acceptable yeah. well and and for its time as a show like i think that she was super groundbreaking pretty radical yeah yeah totally i mean we, we needed we needed agent dana scully i mean to allow for the shows we have today 100 percent. and i mean like julian anderson is a beautiful a beautiful person but oh like God, still but like it, how bold it always blows my like when i rewatch it how bold to have basically like a nerd sex symbol who wears pantsuits exclusively yeah like no i love it i love her style i love her representation of femininity I can get on board with a lot of it. Yeah. I would probably butch it up a little bit more, you know? Yeah, make it make a little... Or, cooler haircut, ma- you know? Make it a little cooler. Or a little more stylish. Make it a little yeah. cooler. Yeah, exactly. Like, she, she's a little... Like, she dresses a little bit frumpy, I would say. She, she... Oh, my God. Early seasons, she's far more frumpy than she is by this episode. Yeah, um, agreed. I was thinking back about, like, weird collars she has, to, you know? And, like, the by colors. Now, like, like, she's always wearing kind of, like, like a bruised up brown. Like, there's a lot of, like, yeah. red, ruddy browns that she wears. Yeah. And she... And now she's more in blacks and navy with you know yeah. like a white undershirt you know professional but like very fbi you know yeah yeah yeah. she looks like a professional woman and then like near the end of the series she's wearing like leather pants and stuff but th- that's neither here like a total bass <laughs> yeah that's neither here she gets a little more buffy in her uh in her system oh a little God. bit later on you know oh which makes God. sense it makes sense Can you imagine how she's hot buffy must be in california doing roundhouse kicks oh and leather God. pants Mm-mm. Nope, I don't want to imagine it because then it becomes impractical and I love the leather pants. <laughs> I do love Especially her leather pants. Me. I also love the idea that every day Buffy comes home from slaying and is like, swamp crotch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, God. Like, I still like roll. Because I remember, and she doesn't really wear leather pants so much as she wears pleather pants. So she'd have to like uh-huh. roll them down her body and let them air totally. out because you can't like machine wash those. Mm-hmm. Sponge, yeah. sponge them clean. Yeah, does she like baby powder herself all over? Does Slayer powers make you have like baby powder like primed skin? Okay, now we're getting off you get topic. out of the this you get no out of the shower and you like tip your head like genie from I Dream a Genie and like baby powder just shoots out of all your pores. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I love this idea. Perfect. I'm glad we've I'm glad we've hacked a Buffy for everyone. Yeah. No, once inside the house. The haunted house tropes ramp up. Mulder talks about the benevolent spirits, which feels like gaslighting since he's later admit that they were at least 80 years ago and there were three murder-suicides on the Christmas house. Bro, what? Scully says the idea of benevolent spirits is, is something uh, we're drawn to, the idea of never being too long without our loved ones. And this is the very essence of Christmas. Agreed. Agreed. Um... 
when they're being confronted with the ghostly haunting artifacts, except uh, Mulder asks Scully if she's scared. And she says in her most amazing, butchiest line about how she's scared, but it's an irrational fear, <laughs> which, um, which, which Kate, you want to embroider on a pillow? Yeah, for every time that um, I feel creeped out when I'm alone in a dark, deserted place. I just want to remember, yes, you're afraid, but it's an irrational fear. <laughs> That's what I'm going to tell myself now. Uh, Walter- thank you, Dana Scully. Thank you. Anyway. Walter and Scully try to deal with the house's anomalies while they keep exiting a room and then entering the same room on the same side in the same loop. Um, eventually, they get separated, um, and the ghostly uh, inhabitants of this house start trying to worm into their head with pop psychology. So, yeah. So, so now that we are in the meat of the episode where they have become separated in this amazing house, which, by the way... They come out on this upper level, and it's this upper level kind of like balcony area and a very large room that's a library. And the only way to get down to the lower level is a ladder. And I'd just like to say no one would design that home. That is the least practical thing I've ever heard of. There is only one person that I can think of who would design a home that way, and they want so much more than this provincial life. It's fully a Beauty and the Beast library. <laughs> it's- it is. It is. Anyway, but this um, is where we meet uh, Maurice and uh, Lida, our two our two ghosts. Yes, who try and approach them like they're just people in this home, um, but are very delightfully played by Lily Tomlin uh, as Lida and Ed Asner as Maurice, Mister oh, Grant yeah. from Mary Tyler Moore Show. So I I, yeah, I yeah. love I love Mary Tyler Moore Show. So I love I love Ed Asner, but. This is definitely Tomlin's role. And it is that explicitly because she was the one who contacted Chris Carter Carter years before this was released and basically was like, I want to be in an episode of X-Files. And he wrote this episode for her. So this is she's perfect in it. Oh, my God. That scene. There's a scene where she like like she's pulling down a book that has, you know, the story of the ghost who stole Christmas. It's this amazing scene where she's like looking at a bookshelf and all these different books are popping out. And Mulder looks so pleased because it's like proof that there's supernatural spirits just popping these books out. And she picks up the book and she like the way that she sits in this chair, she like kind of like cozies up into it. And it's just the way Lily Tomlin still can look like such a young woman with just her face being so bright and full of joy as she's cuddled up in it. I'm like, well, let me tell you about our love story. It's just great. I just love her. Ugh. She has simultaneously anyway, always been an old woman and a teenage girl. And that's like where yes, her charm really it's lies. Incredible. Like, she has that. She has amazing command of like physical acting. Like even there's another scene. So she's dressed in sort of like an old fashioned white nightgown with um like a one of those like nightgown cape things over it. <laughs> Um, right and so so she like that goes all the way up to your chin right you know and so she can kind of like like bundle it around herself and like swish around it's very dramatic and there's a scene where she just like walks across a room while pretending to be like upset like of deeply offended by what Mulder is saying to her and the way she just moves is so amazing because you you both know that that is what she's trying to convey but you also know that it's entirely like an affectation like she doesn't feel that way at all and it's just her walking across a room in a in a weird piece of clothing that's it she's wonderful yeah no it's amazing she's amazing so she's perfect so this is one of the cheapest episodes of the x-files ever made because 
It has the smallest just four actors in one set. Yeah, it has the smallest cast. It has one set, which is really just one big room, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And the house that it's shot in already existed um, on one of the Fox Studio lots, so Ooh. there was like no cost basically associated with this. It all went to basically paying the actors' um, uh, salaries for this role, right? Um, yeah. And they felt money well spent. Yeah. And it was very challenging for all the actors involved because of that reason. But they basically did it because they knew Tomlin could do it. And so everyone yeah. basically rose to the occasion because they were like with this heavy hitter who who like this was her episode and they had to make it work. Which I think is really cool. I You don't normally hear cool. that about a like an actress joining a show. You know, be guest starring on a show. It's usually not for them. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what do you think that uh, Maurice and Lyda represent? So throughout this thing, we're told that these two were star-crossed young lovers. We see a picture of them, presumably... Very young. Right before they died, right? Uh-huh. And now they have they have aged, and now their main deal is... Um, they commit. They had a lovers' pact. One of them killed the other, and then the the other. Well, one of them killed. So I think I th- I think Maurice killed, shot her in the stomach, and then shot himself, and then shot in, himself the in the head. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then uh, and now their main joy in life, and they did this on Christmas Eve, and now their main joy is waiting for other couples to move into the house or visit the house on on Christmas Eve on their the most haunted night. And trying to drive them to similar ends, in kind of Which, a, what's a real kind of a gleeful way. They have kind of like a Nick and Nora totally. energy about them, where you can tell that they really love each other, but they also like have like banter back and forth. It's also really funny because there's this moment where um, where Maurice is talking to Lida, and he's like, "Why did you choose Christmas? Like, why not Halloween?" And she says something about. Um, does, Hold on, I have the line. Does here. anyone feel depressed the, and futile on Halloween? Yeah, but I just love this idea that like this was their plan maybe when they were even alive cuz like she chose Christmas as the day like hoping that this would then ensnare more people. Like it's very um tongue in cheek. It's also not clear did they actually die when they were that young or is that just their legend, you know, because two ghosts age. Um I mean, I think these ghosts age. I think that's really funny that you bring up that line. I assumed, I, I didn't read it that way, but I like that reading. The way I read it was, she, the way I read it was, the idea of star, star-crossed lovers having a lover's pact and and one of them being killed and then the other one killing themselves so that they can spend the rest of their life is kind of bullshit. Why would people enter in this? Because they're feeling depressed and and like life is futile. And that's no, of course. So she felt that way on Christmas Eve, and now she's now she banks on the fact that other people feel that way as well. Well, and what's what's really amazing is that throughout. So, like I mentioned uh, at the very beginning, Mulder's listening to "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas." When they get inside, the record player just happens to play that. Um, later on, at the climax, it's playing, and at the very end of the movie. And partly that's, it's a beautiful song, but it's also very um, bleak a little bit. Uh, it's sad. I mean, it's a, it's from. It's sad. It's like, like yeah, from Christmas in Connecticut, right? Or uh, Meet Me in St. Louis. Meet Me in St. Louis. Yeah. Sorry. And it's uh, sung yeah. by, it's sung by um, 
Julie uh, Rosemary Clooney or Judy Garland. Judy Garland. Judy Garland Judy when Garland. she's when she's singing about how her family is split up for Christmas and and how and like it's a it's it's like it's deeply bittersweet. It's a sad song. It's a good song. Right. It's a sad song. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. You know. Hope next year we'll all be together if the fates allow. Um, let your heart be light. All your troubles are far away. Which, if you are dying, um, has one connotation. Oh. But also, you know, if the fates allow for you to be together, it feels a little bit like the fates in this case are these spirits who are trying to trap these people together forever. Um, part of me wondered, like, why we didn't see other ghosts. But I think it really isn't about keeping other people around. It's about... Um, the joy of torturing people like, pl- to their very end, playing this out. Uh-huh. I love that, but also I like, love that read. Yeah, well, and so and <clears throat> so we see, uh, we see these when Mulder and Scully first enter. You know, at first it's just kind of scary because they can't get the door open. But um, I would pause it because we get the the Charles Dickens uh, imagery later, and it's talking about the ghost who stole Christmas. So we think of the three ghosts. There are three kind of phases of this uh, haunting that uh, Smolder and Scully experience. Uh, the very first one is they uh, find two dead bodies in the floor. And they are clearly supposed to be like Mulder and Scully's bodies. They've just decayed a lot, you know, and they were both shot. Um, and I feel like that is, and bear with me here, guys, it's not perfect. But that's the ghost of Christmas future. That's what could happen to them um, if they uh, succumb to this haunting. Then we get the the ghost of Christmas past, which is when they're separated and they both get like kind of psychoanalyzed about what their prior motivations are. And then um, the ghost of Christmas present is when like they think that they've been shot and like they have to like overcome that. And then they get a new chance at life and they get to subvert uh, the ghost of Christmas future, like they're not dead. I in the, love um, that house. Well done, well, well done, well, English degree holder Kate. Well, someone who dislikes a lot of Christmas, but anyway, I'm sorry, I might have skipped ahead a little bit, but um, no, I like we're talking about the. I like that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's uh, Maurice and uh, Lida are not what I would have expected them to be in this story, but I think that sure. they do. They they function really well. Um. I think, number one, I do think that they died when they were young and now they have aged because I think what it tells you is that relationships can't be, like, preserved in, like, a chrysalis stage. You can't. And I and I do buy that. They do seem like a couple who has aged together. And I would believe that could happen after death because they're very much a partnership, um, a dark partnership, but a partnership. And they know? also seem very alive. Like, these are, yes. they, they appear... They, they're kind of like a death becomes her sort of sort of ghoul. They're not, they're not, they're not, they're not um, ethereal in all. They seem very real. Yeah, they have a very physical, tangible. I mean, like uh, both Mulder and Scully are able to touch them. Um, yeah, and they, so they yeah. have a yeah, they have a f- they have a real tangibility to them. Absolutely, and they seem. And I think it's really about. I think a lot of the story is showing that they're sort of a reflection of the forces that join uh, uh, Mulder and Scully together, who like these two people, like both sets of couples are kind of joined in this weird pack to follow each other to hell and back. And yeah, it's it is self-destructive. And more importantly, I think it's really it's really interesting that we never really 
explore why Maurice or Lida felt like this was necessary. And I think equally No, not at all. And equally so we, we just hear we just hear Mulder's romantic take of they don't have to spend a Christmas apart, but that's so sh- that's so flimsy. Right. And I think and, and, when you meet and them, I think there has to be more. And I think Lida kind of like waves it away. Like she she even is like she's even like, yeah, that's not really whatever. <laughs> the first thing to go right, is the he, romance. Says, like, yeah. Like a romance pact, and she's like, at the end of the day, it's a murder suicide. Like the facts still the same. You're you both die, right? And I you and know. I so I think that the fact that both of these characters are both of these couples are joined together, but their reasoning for that are never fully examined, like kind of shows kind of shows the the destruction that these these relationships are built on, um, and and. And challenges Mulder and Scully to potentially examine and be real with themselves about what their relationship to each other is before. Yeah, like what their motivations are. Like, did did Scully just follow Mulder into this building? Did she just come because he called her? Or, you know, did she want to be there? Which is something that they address later. Right. Um, and as, as characters over six seasons, they do grow, they do develop and things like that. But they haven't really, they haven't really like examined or become truthful with each other about the complexities of their relationship. I think that they're saying, yep. you know, if you do not change your ways, you could be this couple. You could be these, these two who have this like weird sort of like a weird uh, toxic weird dynamic of being well yeah like they're very tickled with each other they're very pleased with themselves sure Abs- but they're also haunting ghosts trying to murder right. other people but they're you also know? it's not like a sunny happy ending no you know? they're also causing they're also causing like destruction that that bleeds out to other people and they mm-hmm. don't even really know why they're doing it so they need to they need to examine it and they're growing old but like their relationship, they need to they need to recognize that that also grows and changes, and they haven't really faced those facts. So, so something that I think is interesting, you know, we talked about the Christmas song. We talked about how it's kind of a dark song, um, you know, and and throughout it, you know, when Lida talks about, you know, who on Halloween feels futility and depression, you know, it's Christmas time that like really brings out that they talk about this loneliness, and it's juxtaposed against what Scully says at the beginning about how um how ghosts are us just wanting to not be far from our loved ones and that's the point of christmas and what they're doing is they're 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 making that perverse they're taking it to its exaggerated underbelly like if you're so lonely if you want so much connection like would you literally die for it um is that better than the you know existential ennui than uh the loneliness of the moral coil of being a single human without uh Without those divine connections, you know? Yeah. I, I also kind of got into that a little bit where like kind of tapped into that. I like I like the idea of of I, I think fear so loneliness, fear, and codependency with that unexamined codependency seem to be like the main like the main cogs that turn the story forward. Right? Yep. And it's sort of it's sort of about like how afraid are you to admit that you're lonely? How afraid are you to admit that you need somebody else there with you so that you don't feel as lonely? Or how afraid are you that you still feel lonely even though somebody else is trapped with you? 
you, I get a little bit of shades of that from from Lida and Maurice as well. That like this relation, this the self destruction and 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 just having to occupy the same space as the other one doesn't necessarily fix those feelings, which I think is true. Like you can still right. be lonely even if you are like partnered up easily. Everybody is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think ultimately this whole, like the first, I would say the first like two thirds of this are, they make a big deal out of like Skulder and Mulder, Mulder, Skulder and Mulder, Skulder and Mulder <laughs> basically being like, I, are you afraid? I'm not afraid. Or I am afraid, but it's not real. Or like all these things. And I really think what it, it is, is ultimately revealing about them is, are you vulnerable and do you need me? Is like the question they're actually asking. Do you need me Absolutely. or don't you? And she's like, I do need you, but it's irrational to need you. And then at the end, them admitting that it's they- It's bookended. Right. And then at the end, they do admit that they're afraid. They do admit that the like, loneliness is scary and that they do need each other. And that's what saves them and they can escape the house. Um, yeah. It's it's when like suddenly um, there's a lightning strike and Mulder's also realized like, if if you didn't shoot me and I didn't shoot you, and if you can say that you're scared and I can say I'm scared and that allows us to say to each other, why did you shoot me? I didn't shoot you. Then instead of having our guns pointed at each other, I can stand up and realize that this is all just in our heads right now. Totally. And that's that like that idea that like communication and vulnerability um, ends up actually making you safer uh, than than the blockades and fear that you use to protect yourself is pretty touching it is and i think also they break a pattern like um so the one thing that uh maurice and lida have going for them that scully and Mulder don't and the reason that they're able to to fool them as long as they do is that they have a plan and scully and Mulder don't because Scully and Mulder right. are actually just here to hang out with each other. That's like this is this is just like a reason for them to be spending Christmas Eve together, as opposed to like what is Mulder's plan here? He's gonna go in this house. He wanted to see something weird. Yeah, like, that's literally which is not it. Right? That's a nonsense reason to go into a haunted yeah. house on Christmas Eve, where three different couples have killed each other on Christmas Eve. Like that's bananas. Yeah, um, he has no plan. But Lida and yep. Maurice do. Their plan is we want to get these two people to think that they want to kill each other, right? That that's their plan. So they're pulling in the same direction, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Whereas Scully and Mulder are not willing to admit really why they're there, and that's why they're able to be like separated and are sort of disorganized and almost die because of that that like that inability to like be real enough with their feelings to admit why they are there. Um, yeah. But and, and also, I think I like that read. I also think there's a little bit of like of like a, a, like a murder suicide pact is does kind of reflect a little bit, I think, a, a, a reality of their relationship. I do think that both Scully and Mulder have complicated feelings that and, and are afraid that their relationship will end in one or both of their destruction. But they yeah. can't admit it to each other. Because that would also mean that, like, their relationship goes beyond friendship or, like, basic basic partner loyalty. Like, that's... Right. And and also, that means that their relationship is dangerous. And if it's... And if you admit that it's dangerous, then, like, what does that mean for their future? It's much safer to just... Well, for them, it feels safer to exist in the... This middle ground where they've been. It's safe. We get to pal around. 
we don't have to talk about how we are two opposing forces and and in a fundamental way that this show is designed to be i mean not totally opposing on the same like axes but they're supposed to be like you know kind of two other sides of a coin right right and Mulder's life is dangerous and he makes scully's life more dangerous than it would be normally <laughs> Jesus Christ. but like so much like 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 for example taking her car keys getting her into this haunted house and then instead of like yeah, there are many times when watching this where it's so hard because I'm watching a haunted house scene and I'm used to watching scary movies and I'm like, call the cops. And then I'm like, well, I mean, they're that. Yeah. They are the cops. <laughs> you know? Yeah, they are the cops. Are the I get why you're I would like to say, though, that um, if they were on an official mission and had like backup, I'd feel like better about it. But, you know, what's yep. funny is, yeah, all these all these normal tropes where you're like, get out of there. It's like, no, Mulder's right. They've been in much more dangerous situations. Doesn't make this one safe. No. Just makes it, you know. No, and I mean, like all the, harder to walk away from. All the bad things that happen to Scully are pretty much because of Mulder. In over the course of the series, uh-huh. like if she wasn't, if she wasn't attached to him, these things wouldn't happen to her. And then he, before, was sort of operating as like a man with nothing to lose. My least favorite type of character. And he, <laughs> so he had like he could just do really dangerous stuff. But now he kind of has to pull his punches because now he has another person who he does desperately want to be involved, but, like, that does, that he now has, like, her life to worry about. So it's yeah. also more dangerous for him in that. Like, it is a it is a vulnerability. He's allowed himself to have sort of, like, a weak spot. And so, I don't know. I think that they're both too proud to admit this about each other, but they are self-destruct. They are destructive forces in each other's lives, and it's it's tough. It's tough on them. Absolutely. I, Absolutely it is. I ultimately think the gleeful element of this episode is because they were like, this is Christmas after all, so we're going to have some fun. Because these are really dark oh. ideas. <laughs> like, No, totally. But but because it's Lily Tomlin, uh, they're able to pull it off. It ends up, yeah, it's very dark stuff. But, I mean, at the, <laughs> it's kind of even sweet at the end when these ghosts are holding hands. It's like, well, we still remember the spirit of Christmas. And, like... The scene ends with them fading away and laughing and transitions into laughter on a TV. Like, you know, they had a good night. We will not be haunted by our failures, as uh, as Maurice says to her. Or, you know, don't be haunted by your failures, which is really funny. That is, that is really sweet. I think, mm-hmm. I, and, I, and like, I thought a lot about that scene because I'm like, well, Mother and Scully don't want to be like these two people. But I guess the read I take from that and what that's supposed to mean or like what we, what the Christmas message of this is that life is way that life is way too short, even if it's forever, which is a mighty long time to paraphrase Prince, to not be on the same page as the people you love. So get on the same page, be real about what you're doing with your partner and then just like enjoy life because that's all that's all you got. Like, don't try to hide from each other. Because that will lead yeah. to your that will lead to pain and and sadness. Get on the same page and do your thing. So after the ghosts have played out this macabre theater, uh, wherein they've separated Mulder and Scully, and they have them each believe that they've been shot by their partner, and they drag themselves out of their house individually, and it seems as though they might shoot each other until they both say that they did shoot one another and that they're scared. Then the realization's enough for Mulder to get up and to rush Scully out there. And when they get through the door, it's this really sweet moment, kind of like when two best friends are like, okay, we need to get out of here. Because he's like behind her, but he's not like pushing her like, okay, go on, little lady. It's like, go, 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 go. <laughs> and I loved it. It was just sweet. It was just like a good physical moment. Yeah, so, I agree. Um, 
So we end, like I said, uh, the ghosts fade away and their laughter turns into laughter on the screen. And Mulder's watching um, Charles Dickens and Charles Dickens, uh, Scrooge. And Scrooge has just woken up and he's doing even better than his word. He's learned from his mistakes. And Mulder doesn't look like a man who's learned from anything. Uh, He just looks sad and alone on a couch. It's a really sad part, too, because it's the... It's a... Very it's the part, sad It's moment. the part of Scrooge where Scrooge is like, I don't deserve to be so happy. And you're like, oh my god. <laughs> Too much. Yeah, no. Too much. Right. Right. And then he gets a knock on the door. Our own kind of Scrooge. Um, And it's Scully. And she said she couldn't sleep. And she comes inside. And anyway, Mary, you want to talk about uh, big finish stuff? Because yeah. just, it's, you know, yeah. We're, we're there. Yeah. So I feel like... I feel like they don't fully work out, like, all the psychological problems they have. Um, nope, it's a TV show. We gotta tune in next week. Yeah, so. yeah they have to stay, they have to, some of the dynamic <laughs> needs to maintain. But uh-huh. I do think, so, like, they admit that they are afraid of their own loneliness, but also a little bit of afraid, but also it's it's scary to admit the intimacy that their relationship is built on. And just that acknowledgement for the two of them means that they can get up and leave the house. Like, that is, that's the thing. So they do. Yeah. And then I think the main thing, then furthermore, I think they backtrack and back away from that idea when they cut, when Scully comes over and says, that was all in my head, right? And basically Mulder's like, oh yeah, not a problem. Don't worry about it. Don't think about that one too much. (laughs) But they do in the end admit that they want to be together for Christmas, which is the entire reason they got into this mess in the first place. Right. Because she did want to see him. Because even though it was like, I don't really want to go to Haunted House. She showed up and yeah, she has a whole family and there's a roll call at 6 a.m. But she came over to Mulder's in the middle of the night because she'd rather bring over the gift that she told him she wasn't going to get him. Yeah. The gift he said he wasn't going to get her and have a sweet moment together because that's who they wanted to spend their Christmas with. And you don't have to be dying in order to do it. Nope. What is that? What a novel thought. (laughs) I will point out some uh, Freudian imagery. I did love that she gave him a nice, tiny, little, neat box, and he gave her a giant cylinder. Uh Yep. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) To read into that what you will, that's the most sexual energy we'll get from the X-Files between these two for at least two and a half more seasons. (laughs) Yeah, right? Yeah. Um... Did you ever watch the new seasons? I did I a little it. bit. Yeah, my uh, my tenure uh, hosting X Files night did bleed over into it. I would say they're deeply uneven, but the good moments are really good. I mean, Mulder and Scully are still still together. Is really my question, right? Yes, yes. The, it still has a that's, little bit of that good. energy where you're like, well, are they? There's like a separation, no, that's, but that's thing. fine. Yeah, as, it's normal. as long as as long as they're not like as long as they're not not together. Whatever, fine. I just. I will, to again, feel like a thousand years old. I'll ship these two until the end of my days. <laughs> That's right. They, but they, they, they do torture you a little bit. There's a little bit of torture mm-hmm. there. I think, like, the idea is that they're separated at the beginning, and then they get back together. But but it's still very x and where it's like, they wake up, and they're both having coffee in the same house, and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did someone sleep on the right, couch? Like, or how can you... Yeah, right. This is ridiculous. These just, two people are obviously boning. Why are we pretending like they're not? I anyway. also feel a little bit like we're so conditioned to be like, will they or won't they? We're like, we can't. 
We cannot know if they are together unless we literally yeah, they would have see- to literally show us a ring in every shot and be like, I love you and I love you too and we'll be together forever in every scene. Otherwise, you're like, I mean, are they? Like, Oh, you happening? took it in a much cuter direction. I was like, I need to see actual <laughs> penetration. I need to see Fox <laughs> going down on Dana Scully so that I know that they are together. Like, I need to see Fair. them bone in cuddling in bed. Could just be friends. You never be. know. Friends with Who bad knows? boundaries. They actually do cuddle in bed fully dressed a lot in this series. I would, I will say. There's no, they a, totally There's do. a lot of like, I've been through something emotionally difficult and now I need you to spoon me. Which, well, I, I, I almost died or aliens gave me cancer or... I turned into an alien, po- like, see the movie that comes out between seasons five and season six, wherein Scully kind of begins to turn into an alien. Flight like, of the Future. Then- yep. Yep. Yes. Yes. The, yes. the one that's about alien bees. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Scully gets stung and then, like, I, like, I can't really remember why she ha- turns into an alien. He has, like, an antidote. Like, why Why do we reverse human? Whatever. It doesn't matter. Guys, black don't get caught o- up in Black uh, oil... <laughs> something. The black oil is way more fun for me, just because I like, I remember those, like, their eyes getting, anyway. Hey, at least it was, at least it made somewhat sense. The the bee thing, I'm like, are they black oil bees? Like, what? You don't get it. Like, why are they? Yeah, were they exposed to the black oil? Anyway. Um, the most bees. This is why we don't have bumblebees anymore because X Files made everyone afraid. The of reason them. we don't have bees anymore <laughs> is because bees are secretly all aliens, and now they're secretly all Santa Claus. So. <laughs> So we watched this. We enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed it. Oh hell yeah! Um, hell yeah! It was lovely. A lovely reprieve to get to watch an X Files Christmas episode. Do we think that this episode is is feminist or important or interesting um, for our purposes? I think, I think Agent Dana Scully, um, her existence by just being strong repeatedly, even though she's not like, there's no such thing as a perfect feminist. You know, bad feminists. Um, but we're all bad feminists. Yeah, we're all bad feminists. But um, yeah, I think I think by by the existence of the show and like what she said to me that like women could be and what roles they could have and the way she never cows down to like what a dude tells her, including Mulder. And like she loves Mulder, but it doesn't start that way. She's a serious woman, does serious work, and she's a strong woman. So yeah, I think it's feminist just just from that alone. I agree. Um, I also think it's also I like that she goes to Mulder's house. Like yeah. you know, I kind of like that. Like she she takes the actions she wants to take. You know. Yeah, I also think it's important to support. Uh, I think Tomlin makes this quite feminist. Like this particular episode. Oh my god, for sure. In that it was written for her. Like that she came to she came to like a like a man and was like, I want to be in your show, and he was like, Absolutely, and I will write this just for you. So I think yep. that, that that's pretty that's like that's like kind of pretty important, especially considering the time period and how like stodgy the Fox network was and like all that. Stuff. Oh, my God. Right. Uh, the Simpsons used to constantly make fun of them for just being like a garbage network. Like, yeah. Constantly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think also and while this is not strict, uh, why I don't think strictly speaking that uh, Mulder and Scully are have a feminist relationship. I do think that it is helpful and good for feminist ideals to show incredibly nuanced relationships between men and women. Like, just the amount of, like, work you have to do to understand why Mulder and Scully care for each other and, like, yeah. and like the shades of it and the depths of it and th- 
just like the details of it are so much more than I think we, I, I can't even really think of another, like the other relationship I can nope. sort of think about that I see this in is Don Draper and Peggy Olson. But even then, that relationship... Yeah, but um, Don Draper's also a little bit more of a monster, though. 100%. And that relationship has, like has like distinct guardrails on it whereas Mulder and, R- and Scully's don't which I think makes it yeah like too many life-threatening situations and stuff well right and also like Peggy Olsen is not in love with Don Draper and Don Draper is <laughs> no, not in sure. love with her so like which is good that's that, that it's a good part of the show that you know that's yeah not thank god I would have been so yeah, angry Jesus. if that was like the third the, the final act twist um but like yeah. <sighs> The relationship between these two is much riskier and more interesting than most other relationships, I think, in movies and television and is worth it and is is interesting from the, that perspective alone. Well, and I would say that what makes it to me kind of a feminist relationship is that um, at a time when there weren't a lot of young men in our generation saw a man that they admire Love the crap out of a very strong woman who told him he was wrong. That's true. And like who had her back, who cut like who who respected her more and preferred her to everyone else, even in because of not in spite of the fact that she is intellectually brilliant. She thinks he's wrong a lot of the time. But like that's that's powerful, you know? I think that that had to have had a hand in shaping some of my very close male friends, you know? That's true. I never really considered that, but that's a good point. Like that that Mulder is a is an unusual and exciting man, man for ner- for little nerdlings to look up to. That's cool. Yep. Especially considering he's such a nutbag. He is such a nutbag. But, he's such a nutbag, but like but, but that's but like damn it, he respects the hell out of and loves Scully and does not feel like her intelligence diminishes him as a man. But he he's quite punish her about but it. But like his nutbaggery makes him actually incredibly vulnerable and weird. He's very vulnerable. And weird as mm-hmm. a ma- a male character. Now that I think about yep. it. Hmm. Maybe maybe he is less of a selfish man child than I thought. Maybe he is important. Well, maybe it's a little bit of calming, a little calm B, you know. Like let's you know. Whatever. It's I love complicated. this show. I would love to do another... We'll, we'll, we'll do Bad Blood We'll sometime, for guys. sure um, do some... I also love the episode about uh, the teenage witches and um, and Satanism. I love all the Satanism episodes. Yeah, no, me too, honestly. Um, and we should, yeah, do, we, should do, it, yeah. we should do maybe like a whole piece on um, on all of the, uh, the, the rapey episodes. Because there are a lot. Yeah, there are. Um, but, you know, dig into them. Yeah. Face them down. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, dear listeners, this is usually the point where we tell you what we're doing next, but we're going to actually leave you in a little bit of suspense. Uh, Kate and I are going to take a break for a couple weeks to celebrate the holidays, rest up and rejuvenate, and enter 2019 um, in our best fighting shape. Um, Heck yeah. So we hope that you all have a very, very Merry Christmas or otherwise happy winter holidays that you are celebrating and a, a wonderful, happy bright solstice. Happy solstice. Have a wonderful and bright new year. I hope that you will be doing what I intend to doing, which is wearing sequins, drinking champagne and being under a balloon drop. Those are my three things that oh I want to do every New Year's Eve. Um, oh, yeah. And we will see you again um in mid to late january we'll keep you updated on the social meds as to uh yeah. as to when we'll be back for now 
Thank you for listening to Space Bros. Head over to Apple Podcasts or the platform of your choice to subscribe, rate, or leave us a review. Be sure to visit OutrageousMechanisms.com slash space dash bras to see our show notes and find other excellent podcasts. And while you're at it, check out our social media, which is about to go through a major facelift coming to you live in December. So on Instagram and Twitter, it is space underscore bras, B-R-A-S, in case that's still unclear. And now join us as we raise our glasses and give the official toast of space bras. In these troubled times, we must remember that even though everyone might suck, we are awesome and the galaxy is ours. Cheers! An Outrageous Mechanisms production.